the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep are Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails. Vanessa Russell. Thanks, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with a very special guest, uh, someone who has been woven into my life in so many different ways. But before I introduce our guest, I want to just give a shout out to my partner in justice, Miss Benita Hopkins. Hi, Benita. She cannot be on the show today, but she is with us in spirit and in heart. And of course, um, we are welcoming all of you to participate in the show by going to to our Facebook page and saying just comments about what you think about what we're doing and, and engaging with us in that way. Start that right now. Um, but before we uh, move on any further, let me introduce our very special guest, Pastor Will Yancey. Welcome. Thank you, Vanessa. It's good to be here. Yeah, so excited to have you and it's been a long time coming. So um, just looking at your bio here, uh, boy, uh, uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, um, so, you know, as as it says here, you've been a leader right in the field of domestic violence um, and and battery uh, battery intervention for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Also, the executive director of Triumph Education Center, um, which is a faith based organization for families in crisis. And then working with the Alameda County Justice Family Justice mm-hmm. Center, uh, doing interfaith communication and support around domestic violence and other issues. Also a pastor um, and has been just a joy to actually receive the word directly um, at Lyft Ministries and also at New Hope Ministries because you're friends with my husband, Pastor Tim. So um, just um, so excited uh, to have you on and just to learn from you and and your lovely wife. And um, I'll have to tell you a funny thing that um, that uh, Pastor Yancey has done uh, with my husband and I. But I'll tell you a little bit later, uh, (laughs) later on the way that we've been kidding back and forth. But anyway, before we go there, um, just want to start off by understanding. So you've been working in this domestic violence uh, arena for the last 15 years. Tell us how you got started with that. Sure. Uh, Well, what happened earlier on in my pastorate, I supported one of our members who had to attend 
10 anger management sessions for something that he had done. Yeah. And so uh, I said, I'll go ahead and support you, but I want to see what this is all about. This was new to me. I had no idea that people had to undergo, you know, anger management counseling sessions. And so uh, I, I sat in. And when I sat in those groups, those groups are gender specific. So they were all men in the group. And when I sat in, I began to hear some themes that resonated with me being uh, a man, f- for sure. And I, at that time, they would have the anger management clients sit in on the uh, domestic violence classes. So it was this hodgepodge of information that was being shared. But one of the common themes that I heard was, uh, for some men, it was okay. They thought it was okay to tell their girls or their wives what to do, their partners what to do. It was okay to make the final decisions. It was, in fact, several of them thought it was okay what they what they had done to be there by perpetrating violence. Uh, they thought it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And and so when I heard some of these stories as I'm sitting in this group, I'm saying, oh, we need some help. Yeah. <laughs> we as men need help. Now, what resonated with me was I had some of those same thoughts also when I was younger. And I had been married for some time to my wife. In fact, we just celebrated 28 years this year. Wow. But uh, I had been married. Remind and- me to rub your elbow on the way out, okay? I just <laughs> want to rub on your elbow, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 28 yeah, years. 20 Congratulations. Years. Thank you so much. And yeah. she's still the love of my life, the yeah. girl of my dreams. Hey, Jackie. Hey, just thought Jackie. I'd put <laughs> but, you know, I, I heard these uh, themes, if you will, that I, I knew because uh, I was uh, predominantly raised by my uncles. My dad left when I was quite young and they would tell me things like you got to get into a woman's head when you when you're dating, you know, mm. and it was OK to have more than one. You were considered a player yeah. if you had more than right. one, mm-hmm. you know. And so I heard these messages and I said, uh, I have to do something. I was a pastor at the time. Yeah. I said, Lord, uh, this was new to me and the Lord just began to tug on my heart. Will you got to do something? I yeah. want to use you in this arena. Yeah. Uh, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll ride the wave. So what that meant was, uh, toward the end of those 10 sessions, I had been making some comments in the group and nobody knew I was a pastor other than the person I was supporting. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, you should facilitate, man. I, I've learned some of the things, you know, so many things from you sitting in these groups. And I said, well, hadn't thought about it, found out what it took. Uh, and in fact, I had to go, you know, do a, a year hours, in, yeah. year, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, a year internship. And then the 40-hour training, and I began to facilitate for an organization called Second Chance. Carol Kennedy was my mentor, and I began to facilitate, and that was, what, 2002, 2003, our church, which uh, in Triumph Educational Center, by the way, is the the, um, outreach of our church or the community service arm of our church, if you will. And so what we did is we wanted to become certified to provide the service ourselves. Not that I didn't enjoy being with Second Chance. In fact, I did. I, I facilitated for them for years, yeah. uh, the Betters Intervention Groups. But I felt the need for us to spearhead uh, Betters Intervention here in Alameda County. So the Lord made it possible for us to uh, become certified by probation, by Alameda County probation, to provide the service. And so what we do is, uh, this was our very first program, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Betters Intervention Program. And what that means is a person who commits a domestic violence crime, they have to fulfill 
52 weeks of counseling are pursuant to Penal Code 1203.097. So if they're on probation for committing a domestic violence crime or they take the plea uh, to committing a domestic violence crime, um, they have to do 52 weeks of counseling. That counseling is for two hours per session, and there's only one session per week that they can attend. And they can't go to my program on Mondays and then go to your program on Thursdays mm. and get double hours. Right. You can only do one program at a time. And so we begin to provide that service. And that's what started us on our journey to providing counseling services for families in crisis. Wow. Wow. So I have to say this, just kind of speak it out loud. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting since I learned, first of all, you know, you preach the house down every time you came. And I was like, there's something about this guy. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm I'm telling, you know, my husband, let's get him to start coming here. <laughs> we need some more of this good word right here, you know. And uh, and, uh, you know, but but then as I began to learn more about what you were doing in this domestic violence arena, I felt like, you know, Love Never Fails really needs to connect with what you're doing. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but we actually um, have another fellow facilitator from Second Chance and, and Women on the Way uh, who is doing domestic violence classes for our women that are in our I Am houses. Okay, and, great. Um, and so the just how essential that is mm-hmm. for, uh, and we work with men and women as, as we're working with potential uh, exploiters, uh, at-risk youth that are on the verge of being recruited to being either maybe at the moment they're drug traffickers mm. and they're they're right on that that verge of becoming exploiters mm-hmm. um you know getting a, a word from a man uh who has had some of those things taught to him yes um who understands where it comes from and isn't going to judge them um but is going to appreciate them and um, also, you know, being an African-American man, I think, yes. is another piece that is really important, especially in this time um, for, for a young African-American men who, uh, if you look at st- the statistics, are predominantly those that are being arrested for exploitation. Absolutely. And so um, getting in front of that group and saying, hey, um, you know, you've been taught this. So let me take the, you know, when we go on to celebrate recovery, we talk about when you've been sexually abused, you say, that's not mine to own. You, mm-hmm. you, I don't own the sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the perpetrator. Absolutely. When somebody teaches you to be a batterer, mm-hmm. uh, you don't, you, you need to take ownership to stop it. Yes. And, and, and what you're doing from this point forward, but you need a moment where someone intervenes and says, Hey, you know, your uncle or your dad who told you, you need to make sure you beat them down and keep them in check right? and all that get in their head and, yes. you know, all that. When you get real with them now, it's off them. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. See, what we do is we take a psychoeducational approach to our groups. And what that means is uh, traditionally uh, betters intervention groups had uh, been established uh, using a Duluth model. And a Duluth model is uh, a model that says all batterers are the same, uh, so it's a one-size-fit-all. Mm-hmm. And it was it was, it was was a great way of intervening in the earlier days of this work. Uh, but now what we discover, we discover, as you mentioned, some have learned this behavior. It's been, in fact, violence is learned, by the way. So, mm. so it can be addressed through education and processing that information. So our psych 
psychoeducational uh, approach is to provide information to uh, the group members, if you will, and then provide opportunities to process that information. And we process that information through uh, stories, uh, through sometimes video clips, through vignettes, uh, so that they can understand that although they have learned this and it seemed to be normal and they thought this is how we are to do, uh, how we are to engage in interpersonal relationships, it is not. So uh, as we are working with clients in the very beginning, they come in in denial, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and w- one of the things that we do in our groups is when uh, when a new person comes in, we ask everybody in the group to state your name, why you are here, and a rule of the group. Mm-hmm. And so they'll go by, you know, my name is John, and I'm here because I hit my wife, and a rule of the group is what's said in the group stays in the group. Right. Another person would, you know, share their thought. And then the new person would say, well, my name is Joe. And my wife did this and she did this and she did this. And we have to stop and rhyme right away because it's really not about her. Mm-hmm. It's about him. But what's interesting is those in the group understand that dynamic. So rather than me jumping in and stopping this guy, stop one of uh, <laughs> somebody else in the group say, hey, man, you're in denial. Right. Now, now it's a safe place, by the way, right. because we do want to communicate uh, positive strategies for interpersonal relationship. But you have to air what you think is right. right. And so we give the guys an opportunity started. to, okay, well, tell us, you know, uh, about what you think you should do in relationship and they'll lay it out there. Yeah. And it's good that they do because what we discovered is men learn when they are in an environment that's, uh, that's free in a safe environment, number one. And number two, when they have an opportunity to communicate what their thoughts are. Yeah. Now, if you shut a man down, he will not begin to communicate at that deeper level. So what we do is we create an environment that's conducive for that that freedom, but but we still hold them accountable and they're responsible for change. Yes. Okay. So we're going to take a break because I, I want to get into. I want to talk about. I don't know if you're familiar with seeking safety, but I want to talk about that curriculum. Okay. Um, and also this concept of shutting a man down, and I think our society is really good at that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come back and we'll learn some more about Pastor Yancey and uh, all things related to making our communities safer for everybody. Um, And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Pastor Will Yancey, and uh, we are learning all about all things safety, um, uh, you know, issues of uh, sort of creating around creating a safe environment for men to get real about their ideas, their attitudes, their beliefs in, in terms of violence in general and violence against women or men or, you know, children, and then how that can be woven into a restorative plan for their life. And um, just as we were uh, going to close on the last segment, we talked about some of the things that came forth um, that were highlights for me is violence is learned and um, there th- it, th- it can be unlearned. Yes. Right. And yes. so that, that I think you have to believe that if you, if you, um, you know, if you're going to get involved in this and not be continually angry or, uh, you know, looking for uh, to villainize anybody, yes. right. Yes, you have absolutely. to believe in restoration. Yes. 
Um, and the other piece that I, I really want to focus on is that you, you said that when you, when you create these safe places and I've, I found them in, you know, in some of the groups that we run with our women that have been exploited or our children that have been exploited, um, is that, you know, they may have attitudes that, you know, uh, I like being exploited. You know, mm-hmm. this is my business. This is, you know, this is my, this, this dude is not my pimp. He's my man. Um, you know, um, it's okay. Even to the extent, I mean, if your abuse and trauma has even, could even go to the extent where you are condoning someone abusing your child. Yes. And, and, and when you are met in a room with someone going, what? Are you kidding me? You know, and judgment and right. then what happens? You get shut down. Absolutely. And you'll never get that thing out. Yes. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of cell. You know, I'm one of the facilitators for Celebrate Recovery, the love relationship class, because we have um, guidelines and we can't shut. Pe- we have to just listen. Yes. And meet people where they are. That's right. And so tell me about how you do that within your men's groups. When people, let's say someone came in and you know, they, you know, they maybe hospitalized their wife, maybe murdered yes, their wife right, right, right. Um, or their child, yes. um, uh, you know, and I, as a, as a pastor, as a man, as a human, I'm sure that's got to do something to you as it does to me. Uh, but there's this place that you can go to that allows you to open that up. What do you do? Sure, sure. Well, there's a lot to that question, but I'll I'll be as brief as I can. Uh, What we do, we uh, we do, um, well, we have intake assessments, right? Uh And so we do a lethality assessment and we we do a change assessment. So each client goes through both of those to determine where they are so that our facilitators can kind of gauge, if you will, where this person is in this entire process. Of course, we're seeing them for the first time, but we want to know where they are on that lethality assessment. Are they one, uh, one of the ones that, you know, would put someone in the hospital or are they one that spit on the window because, you know, she didn't do what he asked them to do. So we take the assessments, we equip our facilitators to uh, connect with our clients. And in fact, Dr. Jeffrey Edelson over at uh, UC Berkeley, uh, he's a dean of the School of Social Sciences at UC Berkeley, uh, he says uh, he's written where uh, batteries intervention programs are more successful when the facilitators actually connect with the clients. Now, of course, uh, that connection is a professional connection. And so our facilitators are trained to connect. Now, one of the ways we do that by keeping uh, a safe environment is we rely on the rules of the group. For instance, uh, you can't call your partner, ex-partner, wife, ex-wife, girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, or baby's mama, any derogatory names or derogatory terms. Uh, There's no profanity in our groups. And it's because if you learn new words, that helps to boost your esteem. And we know that one reason a person will abuse is a low self-worth. So um, other rules, uh, we don't refer to uh, uh, excuse me. You can't come the you know the group under the influence of any illegal alcohol or illegal drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't bring her to the group, which mm-hmm. means you know it's not about her. It's about you. So so we have these rules, and what we do is we allow the rules to to set the pace. Mm-hmm. So uh, for instance, no cell phones in group, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a big thing. So mm-hmm. when a person's cell phone goes off, guess what happens? They leave the group. They mm-hmm. have to leave the group. There's mm-hmm. no oh you know we told you to turn that off or you know the rules. No, we just, we, 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 uh, 
walk the line very tightly when mm. it comes to the group because what we discover with men, when men have these rules and they have these groups, excuse me, these rules and they operate within that, that creates safety. It no longer becomes me having a personal agenda with this guy saying, hey, you have to leave the group now. Oh, well, you don't like me. It's not about that. It's really about the rules of the group. So when the rules of the group are our foundation, then and the facilitator is making that connection, we can proceed with sharing information that can help Mm -hmm. uh, the person to not only open up and share his thoughts, but receive information. Uh, our groups are multiracial so, and multi-ethnic, by the way. So we, we've had some uh, gentlemen from, uh, from the Middle East, uh, from other cultures, who have a different perspective when it comes to interpersonal relationships, especially with marriage and mm-hmm. dating. Right. And so it's, you can't come from a personal perspective. And some facilitators in this field do that. Yeah. You, you have to rely rely on your education, your training, and your knowledge of what domestic violence is. It's a pattern of abusive behaviors that a person in a relationship uses to exercise power and control over another. And so that's the crux of domestic violence. It can happen through psychological abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, economic abuse. And when you understand that dynamic, when you're listening to a client in the group, you can identify where that fits, if you will. And then you can correct that. You can show, hey, man, that's power and control. Well, how is that power and control? And then you you can show them where that is Mm -hmm. and then teach them uh, a new tool, if you will, of how how to manage that emotion that's surrounding your desire to control. So, you know, I'm imagining that there are some folks that are listening right now that are starting to think, hmm, I wonder if I have any of these sort of uh, uh, concerns, red flags, if you will. Yes. Um, And and, and I I would say that this is not just a male issue, right? right. I I have several uh, women in our programs that have been, uh, required to go through domestic violence um, uh, training classes and uh, anger management classes. Mm-hmm. And um, and so what are some, you know, if, if someone was going to reflect upon who they are and, you know, I don't know, five, ten things that they could ask themselves or is there an assessment somewhere that they could go and, and, and do a self-assessment they could do that, that, that would tell them, you know what, I, there's some things I need to look into. Sure, sure. There are some ass- assessments that I've seen <clears throat> on the Internet. And I think one is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think one is uh, sponsored by the violence, uh, violence against women. Uh, just Google it and uh, you can find an assessment there. But just for our radio audience, uh, one thing is, do you feel that you have to uh, control your mate? Do you feel that when you make a suggestion and your mate may not uh, abide by that or may not agree with that? Do you feel compelled to push your way? Do you feel compelled to get your outcome? Uh, do you feel compelled to look in your spouse's or your partner's cell phone? Or do you feel compelled to look in some other uh, private areas of their life? Are you compelled to um, uh, to all be the center of attention. Are you compelled to make the major decisions? I mean, those are some ways that you can, are you compelled to like 
when you're driving and you're sitting in the passenger seat, are you compelled to tell the driver which way to go? Yeah. Those are. So <laughs> some controlling issues. Wait, you're are. bringing up some stuff. Now, hold on now. <laughs> hold on. I'm starting to feel a little sensitive yes. right now. <laughs> and we <Okay>. all should. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk some more about um, rules, creating a place for safety uh, and, and for men in particular. I, I want to drill down a little bit more on that and some more just related to all things uh, in terms of uh, creating safer communities. And thank you so much for listening to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with, uh, I was going to say doctor, but actually that's right. Huh? On the way, on okay. the way, on the way. My wife is the doctor. My that's, mom is the doctor. Okay. I'm the master. You're the master. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so Pastor Will Yancey, uh, who's just a joy to uh, be with today. And uh, we're learning so much about uh, power and control and uh, some of the red flags that, um, quite frankly, I have some of those. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, having come out of a uh, abusive household and, and background myself, uh, many of those um, behaviors stem from things being so out of control, so chaotic that, uh, you know, as I was growing up, uh, the only way I felt like I could have safety was by controlling things around me by, yes. you know, wondering where are we going? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to, are you going to, you need to take a right here yes, because right. I need to know where we're going. Yes. And when you know, it's not about you telling somebody to take a right. It's that you have this constant sense of I'm not safe. Yes. And I, 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 I don't feel safe unless I control everybody around me. And I've had to work on that uh, a lot, especially, you know, with my kids. Yes. Because your kids will just take you through all kinds of <laughs> different directions. You're like, no, 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 we're not going over there. Yes, we are, Mom. We're going over there. Yes. Um, and I don't mean in the car, by the way. <laughs> so um, just just along those lines. So, you know, you, you might identify, let's say you have some red flags and, and it's revealing, you know what, you have some tendencies for abuse, yes. tendencies for control. Um, and so, you know, what, what do you say, you know, and, in, in, in obviously it said in your bio that you have an interfaith presence yes. at Alameda County Justice Center, but mm-hmm. Family Justice Center, and there are different folks that are there. It's not a uh, religious uh, engagement in any way. That's right. What do, you, what do you prescribe as the answer? Wow, that's a great question. And, I'll, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Yeah. When these behaviors exist in our interpersonal relationships, they're very difficult to identify. Mm. They're very difficult to address because uh, if we're in relationship, 
it becomes, well, this is my way of doing something and you would have your way of doing something. And when those ways don't meet, it, it's not a cause for, OK, well, let me call the batter's intervention program and let's see who's who's right about this. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, even in couples uh, relationships, there need to be a third party that would kind of balance out or, or kind of guide you along the way. Right. Yeah. That would be intervention in a couple situation when it comes to displaying behaviors that uh, border on uh, being domestic violence, uh, they're difficult to to argue with one another. You need intervention. And the reality is oftentimes intervention doesn't occur until the law is broken. Mm. When the law is broken, that's when a person will go to jail or have mm-hmm. the police call and then they'll go before the judge and then the judge will say you have to do your 52 weeks of batterer's mm-hmm. intervention. Mm-hmm. And so that's when uh, when that intervention can occur. Now, we have groups for both men and women. So, mm-hmm. our, and of course, they're same sex groups, but uh, our groups for men, uh, oftentimes that intervention occurs when they've broken the law. The groups for women, oftentimes that intervention occurs when they've broken the law. But I'll say this that we do have some volunteers. Mm. We do have some people that know of the work that we do or know us personally from us being uh, within the Christian community. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, Can I volunteer a few sessions for? the group. So one of the things I would say, if the listening audience, if you're finding yourself like compelled to, to navigate from the dry, uh, from the passenger seat, or you're not good with uh, taking no as an answer from your spouse or your partner, uh, you can uh, volunteer uh, at our groups. Uh, we have groups for women and we have groups for men. Uh, you can find out about those groups at triumphtogether.org if you go to our website. Uh, and you can sit in that uh, those sessions free. Uh, until we determine what you'd like to do from that point on. So that's one of the things that you can do. Another thing you can do is really gauge your, your, uh, your activity or your behaviors. Find out why. You feel the way you feel. Mm. Uh, I remember, Vanessa, I was driving, and I was one of those uh, navigate from the passenger seat, right? <laughs> okay, I'm and, not and, the only no, one. No, no, oh, no, okay. You know, that's very common, right. by the way. Okay. <laughs> but, but, like, it, man, it, I need to get a counseling session in uh, right now. Well, I'm well, going to make the appointment right now. <laughs> now, keep in mind, we're talking about, you know— uh, uh, linking these behaviors. So if sure. that's just the only behavior, you, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. one. No, but I'm, when just, you, I'm just kidding. Sure, but, yeah. when you link them to others, then there could be some power and control issues that you have that you've not identified. Oh, yeah. So w- w- I remember one time I was drive. Uh, my wife was driving and uh, and we're driving along and she missed the exit that mm. she was to take. And I didn't say a thing. I'm just driving in the seat. And she says, well, you didn't say anything. And I say, well, you know, I thought you were going a different route. That's when I knew you had gotten. I had, yes, healing, I had huh? mastered yeah. it. See? So, so then there's some there's some things that you can do. Uh, just your own personal self check. I never told my wife that I'm not going to say anything when she drives. I just started catching myself when I wanted to say turn here or this is a faster route. I just caught myself and said, yeah. you know what? Just let me just let her do what she does. If I wanted to go that way, I should have drove. Right. Yeah. Honey, do you hear what Pastor Yancey said? No. (laughs) Get your pen and paper out. 
No, I'm just kidding. He's actually very easygoing. I'm the one who's uptight. But uh, this is this is great. I mean, just having a little bit of a uh, of an a, a ability to kind of introspect and mm-hmm. look within, mm-hmm. and then and then make some decisions. You know, Absolutely. I'm going to get ahead of this thing. And if you are a person of prayer, um, being someone who can give this over to the Lord mm-hmm. and saying, "Help me in this space," you know. You, you know, what's interesting, Vanessa, is uh, the motivators for domestic violence. Uh, one is insecurities. If you're insecure, you're going to not want to be hurt again. You're not going to want to be disappointed again. So what you'll do is you'll try to put parameters around what a person can and can't do. Well, you can't go out tonight or you can't go here or you got to be back home by this time. Or no, I don't want you wearing that. Insecurities will motivate domestic violence. A low self-worth, as I mentioned earlier, oftentimes when a person has a low self-esteem, they don't feel better unless someone else is lower, if you know what I mean. Uh, So oftentimes that's the motivator. A rigid view of the traditional gender roles. Mm. You know, women do this, men do this. And if you have a rigid view of those roles, then you're going to want to be the police when she doesn't do or when the partner doesn't do what you think he or she should do. Um, So a rigid view of traditional sex roles, violence is learned. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, an inability to express emotions appropriately. And many of us uh, are plagued with that, by the way, and we need God's intervention to help us to emote the, the way uh, the feelings that we are actually feeling in an appropriate way. So when we consider what motivates domestic violence, that's all self-work that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with, with the, the partner. And it does not no. at all. Yeah. So, OK, we're at time for this segment and we're going to come back and learn some more about things that I'd love for us to do in the future. But I wanted to just share that the October is the National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And mm-hmm. um, that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have Pastor Yancey on. And we're going to be covering this topic in more detail as the month proceeds. We also are going to have an event coming up. I don't have the exact date, but we're going to have Pastor Yancey out to uh, share a little bit more live in the East Bay. And uh, so stay tuned and check out our website for that. But also, I want to just put out there the National Domestic Violence hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And we encourage you, of course, dial 911 if you're in immediate danger. But if you want to just talk to somebody and you want some confidential um, support, you can dial 1-800-799-7233. And we'll be back with another session of Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Uh, a couple things. So I just wanted to, to share a little funny here. Um, so one of the things that was kind of funny uh, about the way that Pastor Yancey opened up his sermon at our church was about 
he, he began to introduce his wife. And then he, he said, and I want you to know, I just love my wife. And he said, I want you to understand that the marriage bed is undefiled. <laughs> and, and I said, wow, I've never seen a pastor open up his service. I said, he must have had a very nice evening the night before. And, I, and so I told my husband, I said, I think we should do like a little talk show called the marriage bed is undefiled. He said, now you going too far. <laughs> I said, he's inspired me. He said, no, no, we're not ready for that. We are not ready for that one. Maybe for internet radio. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, we'll talk about fresh ideas yes. and fresh uh, thoughts here and doing things in a new way so that people can really uh, uh, connect with it. You know, you talked about facilitators being trained to mm-hmm. connect mm-hmm. with those within and uh, within the group. And and one of the things that I want to touch on is is the piece around emotions and, um, you know, and, and expressing emotions appropriately. In terms of, of human trafficking, what we learned from a study that was done by the DePaul School of Law is that 88% of those that are abused as children, um, uh, I'm sorry, 88% of those who were traffickers mm-hmm. were abused as children. And I want to say the study, I don't remember this specifically, but uh, in the 80s, 80 percentile um, is is where it sat around people who had been in abusive homes that had abuse and domestic violence mm-hmm. had also uh, become traffickers. Right. Yeah. So so there's a correlation between uh, early age, uh, you know, childhood witnessing of domestic violence, of a childhood uh, engagement or, or being in the perimeter when uh, abuse is happening or being uh, subjected to abuse themselves. That's right. And, um, you know, thinking more about young men and also another statistic that's interesting that correlates back to trafficking is one in every six, young, you know, boys is molested. Mm-hmm. Is, is sexually abused. And so when you think about young men and, you know, being the predominant perpetrators of domestic violence, of being, you know, being the predominant ones that are trafficking yes. others, um, you know, the, the thing that has always come to me and, you know, I told you during the break, um, the Lord sort of revealed to me when uh, when when we when he opened up Love Never Fails in my heart, he said, you're going to do something with the young men. Mm-hmm. And he, and I said, well, what? And I, I every time I try to put my hands on a program for the young men, he said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You're going to love them and you're going to pray for them mm-hmm. and you're going to find men that know how to work with them. And so that's what I have continued to do, uh, uh, you know, over the last five years. And one of the things that has come to me is they didn't get here by themselves. They didn't they didn't become an exploiter overnight or because they chose it or because they wanted it. Someone taught them. Someone showed them. And by the way, um, when somebody is sexually abused as a child, and they don't know where to take that. Yes. And they don't have people that will listen that will say, oh, yeah, that was wrong. That was sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Instead, they call it, oh, you a player. Oh, you got yours. Yes. Oh, you know, I'm thinking about Chris, Chris um, uh, Brown. You know, he, he was molested as a child by a, a, a babysitter. And he characterizes that as, you know, I was a player from the, yeah. ve- you know, from the very beginning. Yes, unfortunately. Um, and so. What I found is, is in the case of Chris Brown, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he's he's been in a domestic violence situation multiple uh, because it, it seems that young men take it to this place of anger mm-hmm. rather than crying about it, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, processing it other ways. Mm-hmm. They take it to anger and this violent place. Is that your 
uh, understanding as well? I think that's that's a great perspective, and that is the understanding for some. Um, Traditionally, um, when a person experiences loss, there's this grieving process, and you may be familiar with those five stages of Mm -hmm. grieving over loss. That first is denial, which many people undergo, and then after denial or along with denial comes that anger. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's the bargaining phase, the depression phase, and then we end up with uh, or, or we move to acceptance. So when we look overall, There are some people that have not grieved over, like in this case, Chris Brown being molested as a child. Don't know if he's grieved over that appropriately, but oftentimes many people are stuck in any one of those ruts. So some are stuck in denial. Some are stuck in anger. Some are stuck in uh, bargaining. Some are stuck in depression. And that can meet out in their lives as they they grow up as adults, and it can shape who they become. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, we do have some angry people, if you will, because because they've not grieved appropriately over what they've experienced by way of loss. And then there are some that are not motivated by anger. They're actually motivated by control. And what that means is when they're exercising power and control over their partner, anger is a tool for the abuse. It's not the motivation for the abuse. The desire to control is the motivation for the abuse. So now do we know who comes in our groups that are like angry and who comes in our groups that are more inclined to exercise power and control and use anger as one of those um, abusive behaviors. It's very difficult to determine that right away. But as you continue in the process of facilitating the groups uh, with the appropriate facilitator and the appropriate curriculum in the safe environment, you can then begin to determine if a person is motivated by anger overall. And if they're motivated by anger, then their whole approach to life is an angry one. It's not only their partner. Mm. If they're only experiencing these bouts of anger with their partner, then that's really a control mechanism, and it's not the motivator for the violence. Interesting. Yes. Very, yes. very good. So so that gives me a new appreciation, and I'm just kind of thinking about a couple scenarios that, that have come into to mind uh, where it was mostly control over the spouse. Yes. And in those instances, I could see where, you know, if, if you aren't help, you are not restored and you're insecure or you're, you're afraid um, and someone doing something that makes you lose control uh, makes you feel unsafe. And so yes. you become anxious. Yes. Right. And yes. so now, now you're, now you're trying to clamp down and so yes. you may, you may hit, you yes. may, you may throw things, you may do, you know, you may yell Absolutely. because it's stressing you out what yes. this person's doing and what, you know, and, and then it makes sense where the person's like, well, I was stressing, you know, that's a whole a flip side of domestic violence is that the victim oftentimes t- taps in. I was yeah. stressing him out. Right. But the issue is really not that. Yeah, maybe you were stressing him out, mm-hmm. but there's a deeper issue or her out. You know, there's a deeper issue that says, why does that cause him or her stress? Yes. And he or she has the the responsibility to look into why you 
being free Mm -hmm. stresses them out. For sure. You know, uh, back in, uh, I think it was about four or five years ago, uh, myself and some other batters intervention uh, facilitators or or programs, actually, along with some of the um, uh, judicial officers of Alameda County, went around to the judges to help them understand that uh, giving a person an anger management sentence for something that's specifically domestic violence does not serve that person well. And oftentimes the person, uh, the the outburst, if you will, or the, the act, it seems like an act of anger, but that anger is only to reinforce uh, what should have been done in the first place. Right. And so uh, it's unfortunate that anger gets misdiagnosed as mm-hmm. the reason for a person abuses when actually it's the desire to control. That is that is that is so good. Okay, we got a real big time nugget, guys. So hopefully uh, you're you're taking that in and really thinking that through. And and again, this is uh, October is the um, National uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and uh, we want to just uh, offer up if you are in need of help. Uh, of course, if you're in immediate danger, uh, go ahead and call nine one one. But if you want to just talk to somebody about what you're going through confidentially, uh, you can dial one eight hundred seven nine nine. 7233. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. We're going to come back with events that are going on in the community. You don't want to miss it. And thanks so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. So in this studio, we have been meeting with... Uh, I keep wanting to say doctor, uh, Pastor Will Yancey. He's master, pastor and master, <laughs> Will Yancey. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, just really awesome. So uh, a couple things that are going on. First off, um, we have the opportunity in the faith community to learn more. On October the 20th from 10 to 12 p.m., um, there will be a training. Uh, and what's the title of the training? Uh, it's uh, Sexual Assault. Sexual Assault is the topic. And we are Bay War is going to be out there uh, facilitating the training with um, Pastor Will, and we will um, uh, hopefully be there as well to learn, actually, from, you know, from the facilitators and the topics that are going to be shared. I'm just so excited that it's a, you know, it's also a faith uh, uh, engagement there. And then also in uh, October, on October 29th, a free training for batterer um, facilitators. Yes. And these, and you will be able to get CEU credits for that. That's from 9 to 5 p.m. on October 29th. And they can go to the Alameda County Family Justice Center uh, website for more information. Actually, they can go to triumphtogether.org okay. to find that, even though we're hosting it at the Family Justice Center. Okay, gotcha. They'll find it on our website. And they register there? Uh, they register through Eventbrite. And through there's Eventbrite. A link, there's, there's a, a link, link 
there. Absolutely. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to put that on our um, in our upcoming newsletter and also on our website as well. That is tremendous. Um, other things that are going on, we're actually going to be doing some prevention education um, at Worldwide Women Girls Festival in San Francisco on October 15th. I'll be out there from 4 to 420. Um, hopefully, we have about 500 girls coming out to that event. So, great opportunity to bring your young, your um, fifth fifth grade through 12th grade uh, young ladies out there. Also on November the 3rd, um, we are going to be presenting at the Northern California Safe and Healthy Schools Conference in Berkeley from 945 to 1115 a.m. And we're actually going to be presenting with Baywar, um, with West actually, I, I don't know, uh, Baywar isn't going to be there. It's going to be West Coast, La Clinica, um, Oakland uh, USD, Alameda County Heat, and um, we're going to be at the UCSF uh, Children's Hospital. Um, uh, we're partnering with the Children's Hospital to bring forth this uh, uh, pre- prevention education um, look at human trafficking. And also on November 5th, Break Free Run. Um, come out to Lake Merritt during that day uh, for a 5 or 10K walk. And uh, and you can register on the Break Free uh, or Three Strands Global website. And you'll you'll be able to access that on our page as well. Uh, and, and, and again, we just want to encourage you to be one of the million ways that we solve human trafficking. Uh, contribute a $1 a month to Love Never Fail so we can keep this program on the uh, on the air and do the variety of other things that we do. $1 a month. You go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash resources um, for um, details on all the programs that we, um, we partner with. But you can become one of the million by clicking on million on our page. That's loveneverfailsus.com forward slash million. Um, and of course, we want to thank you. We want to leave you with a word of encouragement, um, as we always do. We want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. Our audio engineer is Jarrell Martin, and this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still sleep our eyes. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.